It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Well, you know, Rich, the thing, the thing that I have always enjoyed about radio and what Bot Radio Network does is to be a blessing to people and to be able to do what we want to do. <laughs> and and we're going to have a good time today, aren't we? We are going to celebrate the life and ministry legacy of Dr. T.D. Stubblefield and <laughs> praise God for godly pastors that pastor churches and churches that have a history. Well, you know, now let's just pause there for a second. How often does the Bible refer to the pastor as the shepherd? Was he... The church is the place people go to for for all any number of things. Isn't that true? Mm-hmm. Well, there is a church in St. Louis, right in the heart of America, that goes way, way back. And that church has a pastor, Dr. T.D. Stubblefield, who has been there for 20 years, and he's getting ready to retire. So that's what we want to that's what we want to go into folks wherever you're living right now from Texas all the way up to Indiana or wherever you are you are going to enjoy this because churches like people have a history they come from somewhere and they're moving forward and that's what we're going to be talking about. So, Rich, you'll go ahead and introduce our guest. Well, our guest today is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield, the senior pastor teacher at First Baptist Church of Chesterfield, Missouri. And uh, he assumed that role in February of 2000, 20 years ago, and has led the congregation that is committed to fulfilling the vision of being a local church with a global mission while equipping souls for Christian service. Huh. It's kind of like equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. Exactly, exactly. And when I first became aware of the First Baptist Church in Chesterfield, Missouri, then I wanted to know about it. And everything I asked was more and more and more interesting. We're going to be getting into that, but let's introduce Dr. Stubblefield right now. Dr. Stubblefield, welcome to the Complete Story Broadcast. <laughs> Tell us, uh, tell us just a little bit, sir. Well, Mr. Bod and Rich, it's so uh, such a joy to be here today and uh, to share with you on this uh, program. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a rich history, and God has blessed me to to be a part of it uh, for the last twenty years. Yeah, um, I, I actually came from a very historic church. I pastored a church in Kentucky, First uh-huh. Baptist Church of Georgetown, uh-huh. which was founded by slaves in 1842, and then, of course, came to Chesterfield uh, in 2000 to lead a church that was founded in 1846. Oh, yeah. It seems like my calling has been uh, to serve and to shepherd these uh, these historical churches. See, um, this was in 1846, Man, alive. How, how many years ago is that? I, um, 173 and counting. So 173 years ago, First Baptist Church of Chesterfield, Missouri. And now this was right along the Missouri River, I guess, then, wasn't it? It was, yeah. 
Can we uh, can we just go back quickly for our audience? Way, way back. By the way, do you have people in your church who remember grandparents, great, great, great grandparents, and other people, family members that have been in the church all of these many years? Probably. Yeah, yeah we have we have a sprinkling of families who uh, who are descendants of some of the original founders founders of the church and who are connected uh, with that history. Uh, mm-hmm. At the church. All right, now, folks, just visualize this. Just visualize this. We're going all the way back, and let you hear some of the voices and some of the some of the stories of the people who did that. Here's the first one. They walked miles, labored from sunup to sundown, prayed standing, sitting, and on their knees. Freedom from a life of bondage, working together, serving day and night the God they loved and trusted. This caused this little cabin to flourish. Yeah. See, the church, uh, Dr. Stubblefield, was just in a little cabin there, wasn't it? It was. It was a cabin that functioned as a house of worship and also a school. Yeah. I want to I want to point out for our uh, audience across the nation that, of course, before the Civil War, Missouri was a slave state. That's right. And in 1846 was a time of slavery in Missouri. Yeah. And uh, this slave owner, Leah Long, donated a portion of her property there for the slaves to build their own building to worship the Lord in. And that was such a blessing to them. And that was the origin of First Baptist Church of Chesterfield. Is is that, am I saying that correctly? Yeah. uh, And Rich, you know, it's interesting. About four years ago, we celebrated a church anniversary and two of the descendants of Maria Long, uh, who live now in the Kansas City area, actually came to the church worship with us during that celebration and shared with us some historical material that dated back to that era. And that was just uh, very, very inspirational. Now, here's a lady who came to the church with her grandfather. Man, I was little. A baby when my mother was belonged to this church. And uh, she used to probably bring me in first when I first started. And then I remember when I was about eight or nine years old, I used to come with my grandfather in a horse and buggy. I used to ride to church, and that's when I first remember, you know, ever being here. Yeah. Is there a better place that a person could be going than to church? I mean, everyone listening to this broadcast now, what you're hearing over and over again is people are going to church to worship, to pray, to find each other and form community. That's the way we are supposed to be doing today, isn't it? That's right, Dad. And, and you know, the church also had a vision for education. And this was at a time when it was illegal to, to educate slaves and black people. And, and so this was part of the mission of the church. Yeah, let's hear this. So this building uh, was used during a time when blacks were not supposed to have been taught how to read and to write. Uh, this building has been used uh, to teach our people. Mm. Yeah. All right. Here's a lady that would walk with her sister five or six miles to get to church. And then we used to have a prayer meeting. 
Me and my sisters, we used to walk up to our church and by ourselves at night. We used to walk five and six miles, and then we'd go back home and walk by ourselves with no one there. Dr. Stubblefield, what, what thoughts now do you have in your, in your mind as you're listening to this? You know, as I, as I listen to those uh, remarks, I'm just, you know, so encouraged and inspired that that generation of believers um, did so much with so little. Hmm. And given the uh, just the systemic issues they were facing in terms of slavery and then beyond that uh, segregation, segregation, for them to, first of all, have such a focused faith uh, to, to believe so fervently in the Lord and also to understand um, how important education was. I think it's just such a, you know, such an incredible legacy. We, we stand on the shoulders of that legacy some 173 years later. And interestingly, one of our primary focuses as a uh, faith community at First Baptist Church of Chesterfield is Christian education, hmm. equipping souls for Christian service. And so I'm inspired when I hear, hear those kind yeah. of comments. All, all of us drink from drink the water from wells that we did not dig, and we, we eat the fruit from trees that we did not we plant. We saw the movie recently about Harriet Tubman yes. and the Underground yeah. Railroad. All right, let's hear this. Slaves, it, it is said that some of the slaves came here to uh, get away from those who were trying to capture them as they tried to leave the South. Uh, in other words, it was a part of the Underground Railroad. It was. <laughs> what yeah. a wonderful legacy. You see, we're, now listen, our entire audience, um, many people, um, you just don't know the history. Just don't know the history. This is beautiful that we have the opportunity now to be able to listen to Dr. Stubblefield and then hear the history of this church. I guess the thing that sticks in my mind is it is the church that preaches the Bible, that helps people. Regardless of the color, we all live in the era where we are. And uh, sometimes I wish that I lived in a different era because things are not going all that well now. But we do, and then God... God takes care of our needs. What were you going to say? Well, Dad, here's the key, though, is that is this is a church that's built and based on the Word of God. It's based on the Bible. First Baptist is not a perfect church, but it's a God-fearing church, a Bible-believing church. Dr. Stubblefield, what would you comment on that? Well, you know, when I think about, you know, the church, you know, three T's, uh, you know, emerge in my spirit. One is is tradition, the, the history of the church. The other one is transition. We're very transitional, but the foundation of the ministry is the truth, as it is uh, recorded in the Word of God. And you know, as pastor of the church for the past twenty years, I have been committed to preaching and teaching that truth. And uh, as I prepare for retirement, I'm so confident that the church will do well. Uh, as they move forward because the foundation is based on the Word of God. Uh, that's central to our ministry and and to our whole uh, approach to missions and how we engage our community and how we empower the lives of the people is that uh, 
the the word of God is is uh, is is at the center of that. What were you going to say, Rich? Well, uh, Doctor Stubblefield, if we could shift gears to talk about your story, about how we're celebrating your twenty years of ministry here at. First Baptist Church of Chesterfield, yeah, Missouri. How, how did you grow up? How did you grow up? Tell me about that little boy. That little boy. What did they call you when you were five, six, seven, eight years old? They they called me Daryl. And when I hear the, that's what D stands for in TD. But when I hear the that word Daryl, I know I'm in the presence of people who know me very well. But I, I grew up in Northwest Tennessee in a little community called Buchanan. It was a farming community. Um, I was uh, born to, you know, a single parent. My mom raised me and and my siblings. Um, uh, my foundation in terms of my spiritual life was there because uh, I, I was blessed to be a part of a, a, a Christian family. The patriarch of that family was my grandfather, who remains my hero. He married my grandmother when he was 17 years old. They had five kids together, and when his parents died, um, um, he raised his siblings as well, so another five kids, and uh, and he was a deacon at the church, and he was a songster, but his prayer life and his commitment to the Word of God impacted me, you know, as a as a young boy, and uh, and he died when I was thirteen, but he had a great impact on my life, and uh, and so th- those are you know my roots, uh, yeah, a little small frame church. In that area where I was baptized in a creek when I accepted the Lord as a little boy, five years old during revival. And um, they had revival twice a year then, and and they'd have it during the day and during the evenings. And uh, I sat there on the mourner's bench, and those mothers of the church prayed me into the kingdom. And, uh, <laughs> I'm so grateful for that. I love that. How important would you say it is that families and children and and the parents uh, involve themselves in the community of a good Bible-believing church. Well, I believe that connection is just primary. Um, I was I was blessed to have that, and and it was not just my immediate uh, family, but the whole community. Uh, once I made a decision to accept the Lord and gave my life to Him, the reinforcement that I received from so many. Uh, in that community and, and who were members of that church, yeah. uh, some who, many of whom have gone on to be with the Lord, but but they still are present in my heart in terms of uh, of the impact they made on my life. And I think today it's it's the loss of that kind of connection that is uh, that that is crippling us and 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 uh, and it's unfortunate. Well, it really is. It really is the church. See, I have thought, I have thought, and I've said many, many times, that God, God gave us three institutions, only three, but the first one was the family, and the second one was the church, and then the third one was civil government, so we would know which side of the road to drive on or things of that sort. But it's the family and then the church, how important it is. Now, here is a lady who is talking about a baptismal service when she was a child. We didn't get baptized till the third Sunday in June, which was our rally day. It started when all the county churches would save their candidates during the winter to the summer months, which was always the third Sunday in June. We always waited until, I don't care if it was a year, 
that has always been outstanding and one of our most famous days that we have, we still celebrate it. We would have a big, big crowd and the churches from and people from all around would come and we would have a big dinner. We just had a big celebration for the baptizing and uh, they didn't have pools then, so we baptized and Andrew's Pond, which what used to be up the street off Olive Street Road. I do remember I was about around 12 years old when I got baptized, and I was baptized up at Smitty's in a pond. And I hoped I'd get baptized here in the future. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Uh, Dr. Stubblefield, in the studio uh, with us is Joy Elder. And she works for Bot Radio Network in the St. Louis area. And Joy was telling me over and over and over again how you have been such a role model to her son. Uh, Joy, just share a little bit of that, will you? Well, I just adore T.D. Stubblefield, and so does my son, Blake, who's now 20. And um, I am a single mom, and it's challenging to raise a son in, in the fear of the Lord. Uh, without uh, a father in the house all the time. But T.D. has filled out a role of being a father figure, an uncle, a uh, mentor uh, for many, many years for Blake. Yeah. And um, and I don't know what we'd do without Dr. Stubblefield. I call yeah. him T.D. my brother. So we're very, very close and we're very blessed to know Amen. him. All right. Dr. Stubblefield, does that, uh, does that hark back then to people that were, that were role models for you? And, uh, it, yeah. it, abs- it absolutely does. It, it, you know, I, uh, I'm i kind of like Paul, you know, in the epistle to the Romans. He says, I am a debtor to, to, to everyone. He he had such a sense of obligation because of, of his experience of God's grace. And, and, and I have lived my life that way because I have been so blessed by people who have poured into me, you know, uh, certainly family members, but also school teachers and and, and other ministers. And I always said that if I was given an opportunity to be a blessing, to, to share, I want to be a river and not a pond. You know, when God blesses you, you don't want that blessing to stay in one place, to be stationary and stagnant. Oh. You want it to flow into the lives of other people. Oh, I love that. I love and, that. And God just brought joy and Blake into my life. I mean, it was a bonus that came with the relationship we've had for 14 years with uh, Bot. But he is my adopted nephew, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm his uncle, and uh, he's coming to the big gala with his mom on Friday night, oh. leaving school. To well, yeah, he's in college. He's in yeah. college now. Yeah. Um, folks, we're visiting with Dr. T.D. Uh, Stubblefield and, uh, and uh, celebrating the, the whole history of First Baptist Church of, of uh, Chesterfield, Missouri. And uh, so this this weekend is going to be a big, a big uh, celebration of the whole thing. Getting back to your own story, you know, you were born in Tennessee, in this little rural community. Tell us what happened then. Well, I grew up in you know the rural community. Worked on the farm. My uh, grandfather had a farm. He never owned a car. Never finished uh, high school. But uh, he was an entrepreneur. He was a farmer, and uh, we pretty much made our living that way. And and that created a work ethic and also just a desire. Uh, I was just energized at a, as a young boy just to study and to learn and to be the very best I could be. And uh, 
and had a lot of encouragement along the way and uh, graduated from high school when I was 17. I was the uh, president of my class and and went on to uh, and and that year the schools in my county uh, integrated up until that 11 that senior year I went to a a segregated school an all-black school and that senior year was very difficult because of some of the uh, attitudes and prejudices that I faced, okay. but uh, yeah, we persevered yeah. through that. See, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's just pause there. Yeah. Um, we hear a lot about bullying today, yeah. and we hear a lot about children, you see. Um, would you say that that could have been made better if the if the administrators and the teachers and everyone would have just absolutely brought the students together and said, now, first of all, stop it, and next, let's get to know each other. Uh, is there a, in looking back, could that have been done much, much better and shouldn't have been needed in the first place? Well, actually, the, the, the bullying, if I was going to use that term, came more from the administration side of the equation because— uh, you know, there was some who just still had some prejudices about, you know, yeah. African-American, black people. And I was told by a guidance counselor at the school that I wasn't college material. And when I uh, when I got my doctorate degree, I just wished that person had been in the audience. <laughs> and, and, and yet it inspired me. I mean, the yeah. fact that they said I couldn't do this. Yes. Uh, that was an inspiration. And I mean, it's it's not something any of us are proud of. But that that uh, bullying wasn't from the students. In fact, we came together, I think, in a great way. I was the president of the senior class the first mm. year the schools integrated from all over the county. And yet, uh, you know, we faced some attitudes and prejudice yeah. from the adults. Where, where that did, was unfortunate. Where did you move next then? I went to the University of Louisville. Uh, and, you know, I graduated there after five years and then it got accepted into law school. But all along, I was wrestling with this call uh, to ministry and doing my best Jonah impersonation Ah. because I didn't want to have anything to do with preaching or pastoring. I just... I but, was but, uh, I was wondering about that because yeah. you pursued a business degree and a business and a, and a, and a law career, yeah. but then somehow God got a hold of your heart and said, "No, I want you in ministry," and yeah. uh, you went to seminary. Yeah, Rich, Rich, if I had accepted the call when I first started feeling God moving in my heart, I would have been a boy preacher. I've been fourteen years old, but. But it took all of that time for me to learn that you can't run from God. You can only run to him. Yes. And uh, I went to college determined I was going to make the big bucks. I was going to be a corporate attorney and uh, graduated from the University of Louisville with a business degree, got into the law school. When I left Tennessee, my mother said, I give you six weeks at law school and you'll be back home. <laughs> and, and sitting in constitutional law torts and contracts, at Indiana University, where I received a full scholarship to law school there, I decided this is not what I want to do yeah. and went back home to Tennessee, but still not wanting to preach. I had uh, been accepted into the Marine Corps huh. and the Judge Advocates Division, and so I was going to go ahead to go to the Marines and uh, be an officer, still not wanting to accept this call. And then my mother lost everything she had in a fire. Uh, the home burned down. I'm the oldest of my nine, of uh, my eight siblings, and uh, and I couldn't leave my mother like that. And uh, she needed my help, and mm-hmm. so the Marines let me out 
in a hardship exemption. I met my wife of 43 years during that period, and I accepted my call to preach. So so God works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, and you went to the Southern Baptist Theological uh, Seminary in Louisville. You know, is that before right? before I went to Southern, you know, yeah. I was working in Tennessee as a cost accountant for a company called Celatex uh, that made building material. But I started taking correspondence uh, classes from Liberty Bible Institute um, um, and then a Moody Bible because when I accepted my call to preach, I said, I don't want to be a raggedy preacher. I want to give God the very best I can give him. And finally, I was able, because I got relocated to Louisville, Kentucky, uh, to work for Job Corps, uh, I was able to start seminary. And it uh, t- took me quite a while to get that master's yeah. degree. But uh, 12 years of just toiling at it, uh, God blessed me to do that and then on and yeah. And, and a, some a, other tr- and a dura- well. doctorate from Trinity. Yeah, doctorate right. from Trinity as well. Yeah. So now, after twenty years, after twenty years of pastoring the First Baptist Church of Chesterfield, well, then you're going on to the next. It's a big celebration and, weekend, and it's a yeah. big celebration weekend, isn't it? This this broadcast will be aired on our entire network, wow. but those in the greater St. Louis area, yeah. why, well, Sunday morning will be a Give us just a little bit quick of the various events that are going to take place. Well, we have a, uh, a black tie event, uh, a banquet on Friday night uh, in St. Peter's at Old Henry mm-hmm. uh, Golf Club. Uh, yeah. We already have over 400 people who are scheduled to yeah. come. They're coming from all around the country. Even yeah. former members of the church I served in oh. Kentucky are coming and okay. colleagues. Uh, on, on Saturday, we have a gospel uh, concert, the Chicago Mass Choir, yeah. gospel choir, noted uh, recording choir is going to be uh, at Chesterfield. And then we have the worship celebration on uh, on Sunday. My good friend, Dr. Jonathan Moorhead from Hosek Baptist Church in Columbus will be there. Okay. He, he actually, uh, when I came to St. Louis, uh, my wife uh, attended uh, the church he served there in Kentucky for six months. He became uh, her pastor during that time. And since then, he's gone to other uh, uh, positions as well. Give us the address of the church. Uh, the ch- uh, church address is 17103. Wild Horse Creek Road, uh, there in Chesterfield, yeah. seventeen one zero three Wild Horse Creek Road, and, and worship yeah. service at nine forty five a.m. We oh, start listen. right on time We've... at nine forty five, and you got to put your seat belt on because it's going to be a live, on right. and popping Sunday morning. Well, listen, now we're going to have to get out of here. Time goes by so quickly. God bless you, sir, and thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you both, and thank you for the great partnership we've had for the past fourteen years. That Last broadcast on the first Sunday in April is going to be special, but we have certainly enjoyed our relationship with Bot. In the St. Louis area, every Sunday morning at 7 a.m., 91.5 FM, Forward in Faith. This is Dick Bott with my son Rich and our guests with this chapter of The Complete Story, and we'll see you later. 